This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. and welcome to episode 117 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and Gary is with me. Are you good? I am always well, as I regularly tell people, but it's turned into a little bit of um, uh, lip service because I'm not always well. It's a lie. Nobody's always well. But this week, I'm not bad. Good. That's what we like to hear. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, it's always good. Um, it's been I'm a... not great, Ben, I'll be honest. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it, mate? Well, we're about to for an hour. <laughs> so if I didn't want to, what were we even doing here? Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. Um, so, I mean, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, been a bit of a, a, a mixed week <laughs> for the Imps. Um, we're not going to talk about uh, we're not going to talk about Wigan in as much as, you know, it's it's sort of nearly a, a week past now. But obviously, great win. Um, great win away there. Um, not so great a performance. But that seemed to carry on over to Tuesday night, didn't it, um, against Swindon? And obviously before the game uh, on Match Day Live, uh, the, I can't remember the guy's name now, but the fellow from Swindon was was incredibly downbeat and was uh, not optimistic at all um, going into the game. But uh, it, it kind of, I don't know whether that was some sort of weird reverse psychology that he was pulling or whether they just legitimately didn't expect anything from the game i don't know who who he'd be pulling reverse psychology on because myself sam and about uh, a thousand viewers are probably not gonna um affect the game so well no but you know what i mean but you know what it reminded me of have you ever seen hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy the film with uh, (laughs) is that what the robots call the beginning where they try and send him off to do something he goes i'll do it but i won't enjoy it yeah yeah, it reminded me a little bit of that um you know just yeah like a death eater blessing he just sucked the life out of every question you know what i mean when you say it like um yeah we were your key players well we've got jordan garrick he's not done anything yet we've got this player he's shit and so wow do you know what i mean 
I, I genuinely, right? I was genuinely going to suggest that we might draw the game on Match Day Live, and after hearing him, I couldn't because I was utterly convinced that we were going to win. <laughs> I think everybody was, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, you know, it was a, oh dear. It, they just weren't, they just weren't happy at all. Um, Swindon fans sort of going into it. I think he said that um, they're not happy with the, uh, with the management style, the style of football that they're playing. But uh, I mean, they, they sort of, they came and they, they attacked the game, didn't they? They, they really brought it to us. And obviously within two minutes, they'd gone a goal up. Um I don't know. I just, it was one of those moments when as soon as it happened, I just went, right, okay, that's how tonight's going then, is it? It was, um, yeah, not the best start, was it? No, it's crap, wasn't it? Mm. Um, to be honest, to just, <laughs> I, do you know what, for a minute after it happened, I had a, I, still with that guy in my mind, I thought this is going to be England San Marino 93. You know, when San Marino score and everyone goes, oh no, and then you come back into it and you do really well. You know, that was my hope for a, for, for a second or two. Um, and I thought maybe, you know, for 10, for 10 minutes after that, we actually didn't look all that bad. Mm. Um, I think Conor McGrandles had an effort saved. and But then just... I don't know. I mean, Michael described it as arrogant and I, I wouldn't go that far. Michael knows his players better than I and, and I'm not going to describe um, the Lincoln players as arrogant. It, it was just a performance that had nothing about it. At times um, in the first half, I thought it was a lazy performance, if mm. I'm being brutally honest. And I'm not going to pick out certain players because there's only two that I would say I didn't feel that about. I thought Tom Hopper... Put a, you know, he never ever puts a lazy shift in, um, mm-hmm. even on the worst performances when it's not going right for him. And, and I think you could say the same for Conor McGrandles. But outside of those two, yeah, there, there was no endeavour. There was nothing clicked. And you know, I've said on the podcast so many times before that everything we do hinges on eleven players playing in sync. Um, and I've also said that everything pivots around the holding midfield, the four, the six, whatever you want to call them. Mm. And I just don't think that with Liam Bridcut out, I know George Grant does a job there, uh, but I don't think in certain games under certain conditions, Grant is as suited to the six as other games. I think if we're up against a team that plays a bit of football um, and um, kind of a, let's say, a, a Hull or or a Doncaster or a, or a Peterborough, I think Grant can play that role. Mm. Uh, but I think when you're up against a team where, you know, they've got one focal point and it, it was Garrick, let's face it. I mean, Pittman was was average. Um, it was the boy Garrick out wide. But when you've got one focal point and you're going a little bit longer and, and you've got to fight a little bit and you're getting pressed really, really high, which, which mm. Plymouth will do, by the way, as well. Um, I don't think that, that Grant is the ideal man there. I'd love to have seen Max Sanders start there. Clearly, he's not quite up to speed as yet. And I think he's injured now. But yeah, it was, to be honest, Ben, I'm, yeah, this is gonna. I don't. I never want to sound too negative about us when we're in a promotion place in League One. It's ludicrous to be bad about it, but it was the worst worst performance I've seen under Michael Appleton, um, including I think many of last season's games. I I would hasten to agree. Um, it just. I think you said it right there. I think it was. It, it seemed like a lazy performance. Um, first half. This is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. First half. It, it just seemed like it was. It was one of those where we we just set up and we thought, right, well, Swindon are going to come here. They've not really got too much to play for. Um, you know, they're, they're 
they're in the well not so much to play for in 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 terms of the football they're playing and it's like yeah okay we'll win this one lads just go out and enjoy a Tuesday night you know it seemed really really you know there just wasn't too much impetus in it and it just it didn't sit right with me at all um what I would say is as well, let's not forget fatigue. And I know. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, obviously, you know, the, the fact is that we, we've had game after game at the minute. You know, we've had three games in a week last week. We played, was it Sunday, Tuesday, Friday? No, Sunday, Tuesday, Saturday? Or Sunday, yeah. Tuesday, Friday? Sunday, was it Sunday? Well, it wasn't Wednesday, was it? Because the Wednesday was the week before when we played Sunderland. So it was Sunderland on the Wednesday. Then it was. Was it Accrington on the Sunday, Sunderland on the Wednesday, Wigan yeah. on the Saturday? That's uh, right, yeah. So it, it was basically Wednesday, Sunday, Saturday, uh, uh, whatever. Yeah. Sunday, right. Wednesday, Saturday, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was four. We played on four different days of the week in like a a ten or eight a ten day spell or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, it's 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 one of those situations that at the minute we're going to see a lot of teams that are going to be in a similar spot. You know, there are going to be other teams that will that will have this big run of games. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's unique to us, but ultimately we have a very, very thin squad in comparison um, in terms of numbers. And I think one of the, the positives that we've had, you know, earlier on in the season, we've stated before is that the quality that we've got gives us that depth. You know, we've got, the, we've got quality or we've got depth in quality, not necessarily depth in numbers. And, the problem is, is when you've got that de- uh, depth in quality, when you have two or maybe three that have taken a knock, that suddenly gets thinned very, very quickly. And we found that out. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to use the term injury crisis, but it's very, very close to it. Um, I mean, we, it, wasn't, know, it, it wasn't on um, Tuesday, though, was it? Because the, all the all of the so-called injured injured players played. Um, you know. Yeah, we've, we've, I, I understand where you're coming from when you say you're virgin on it, but I'm not going to make excuses and say we were in the midst of an injury crisis. Oh, no, absolutely not. You know, that's what, that's what I mean. It's, it's not, a, you know, the players that were put out on Tuesday night should have been able to win that game comfortably. Um, and if it weren't for well, the lazy performance, the, the, the arrogant performance, I think probably would have done. You know, it was, it was just... It was just a disappointing performance to watch. Um, Isn't it brilliant that we drew 2-2 two, two, and we're sounding like we did probably when we lost 2-1 um, <laughs> at, at South End last season. And look, look, we got the penalty, which rare moments of quality just showed what we are actually all about. And, and the penalty was a rare moment of quality uh, from Cohen Bramall, who I thought was, you know, struggled again. But he gets down the flank. Nice bit of football, plays it back to Morgan Rogers, who plays the only word I can think of is delicious ball over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's a clear cut penalty. You're back level one all at that point. We should have gone on uh, and won the game. And had we then not um, imploded one individual error. And again, you don't want to I don't want to dig players out. And I certainly don't think Alex Palmer should be dropped, um, which I saw mentioned on Twitter. But it, you know, it was a silly, silly error that. Is Palmer's second in as many home games, um, and then you've given yourself a mountain to climb again, and and it should have been worse because I mean there was a bit there was one moment where Grant backheeled, um, did a backheel flick towards his own defence, and the only player waiting there was Brett Pittman, and if he wasn't you know, lacking in a little bit of pace, shall we say, um, mm. he buries that. You two one, then maybe three one down at half time, and it's a disaster. But it wasn't a disaster. It was unhelpful uh, to my mood, 
uh, and to a lot of fans. But when you sit back on reflection, actually, we came out and we won the second half. And I know you don't get three points for winning the second half, uh, but we came out. We did that. Uh, we, we should and could have won the game with a couple of other chances that we had, even though we continued to play badly uh, over the 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I just think the the call, you know, anyone that's calling for Palmer to be dropped, I just think is is crazy. He's, he's probably had a rocket up his ass from Michael, and you know, rightly so. Um, they all will have. They all will have done. Yeah, I mean, from 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 what was said on the on the radio, uh, it sounded like he absolutely ripped into them and didn't, you know, didn't hold anything back, which was undoubtedly needed. But. Um, <sighs> Yeah, it's like you say, the fact is that we're sounding ridiculously downbeat about things when, you know, we've just drawn a game, Um, which is, you know, which kind of says a lot because you look at the, you look at our rivals, you know, obviously Hull have had a bit of a spiral. We've had Doncaster, they've taken a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a bad few weeks. Um, The only team really that continued to to impress and, and get point, get three points week after week seems to be Peterborough at the minute. So, um. Yeah, it's it's Peterborough just got, just touching on that. Peterborough have got a tough run coming mm. up though. Um, yeah. You know they've got okay Wigan and Burton are, the, are two of their next three games are not so tough, but they've got away at Oxford, they home to Hull on the ninth of March, home to Portsmouth on the sixteenth of March. I mean they've got you know three games in the next five that are very very challenging. They were the team, you know, I certainly tipped to win the league. I seem to think you did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've got to remember is actually there's an interesting table somewhere that shows you who has the most favourable running in terms of they work out each team's points per game up to this point and then they work out who has the most favourable running in terms of teams that have got the fewest points per game, etc. And we've by far got the... the the more favourable running. And I know that means very little in real terms. Um, But when you look at, for instance, the away form table, so we're top of the away form table, as everybody knows, we've done superbly, right? The next seven teams in the away form table are Portsmouth, Charlton, Sunderland, Hull City, Peterborough, Oxford and Accrington. Only one of those that's got good away form has got to come to Sinsel Bank. All of the others, we've already played Portsmouth, Charlton, Hull, uh, Portsmouth, Charlton, Sunderland, Peterborough and Oxford at Central Bank and Accrington, I think, as well, haven't we? Um, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So do you know what I mean? And then when you look at the home form table, so where teams where we've already been and played, you've got Peterborough top, which we haven't. Doncaster, been there. Crewe, been there. Plymouth, about to go there. Hull, been there. Ipswich, no. Accrington, yes. Fleetwood, yes. Then it's us. So in actual fact, in the home form and away form table, I think there's only, what, three games there that mm. on form look look particularly tough. And one of them is this Saturday, which is Plymouth. Um, and, and obviously Ipswich doing very well at home. So we do have, yeah, and we do have a decent run in. And I think at times it's those games that we've struggled in a little bit. When you think about Swindon, when you think about... Um, the who's either on Bristol Rovers that we lost at home, Shrewsbury who came and turned us over as well. But in actual fact, we're still ninth in the home form table. And people bang on. I know we'll touch on Plymouth later, but you people bang on about Plymouth great home form. Yeah, yeah, superb. They've played 16 at home, won eight, drawn four, lost four. We've played 15 at home, won seven, drawn three, lost five. So we're actually only 
uh, one win and a, and a couple of draws behind Plymouth in terms of the table. And if we were to win a home game, we would only be one point behind Plymouth in the, the home form table. So it's not been a great run at home of late, but I certainly don't put anything down to a crisis. We'll, we'll chalk it up. When we've had two bad days at the office, and Wigan was a bad day at the office as well in terms of performance, and you've got four points, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. No, totally. And I think that that was kind of one thing that I said on on social media after the uh, after the Wigan game was that you'd take it all. You know, any day of the week, you would absolutely take playing badly and winning. Um, and I think it just seemed like that was where we were on Saturday. Um, so yeah, it was. I mean, second half, we you know on, on Tuesday we, we seemed to come out and, and attack the game a little bit more. Um, I think it was fairly obvious that they'd uh, they'd been read the right act at half time, um, and yeah, like you said, you know we won the second half, and I think we started to obviously started to look like a, a better side, and you know we started to look like we'd improved, but I just couldn't find that uh, that final final touch. And there's, there's there was a few moments that it's happened in a few games fairly recently where. The ball comes across, you know, the six-yard box, literally the six-yard box, and there's just nobody there at the at the moment to to tuck it away. And it's it's just those, you know, you said it before about fine margins. It's fine margins like that that at the moment seem to be the the difference between you know a winning streak and uh, and getting four points from six or you know or you know three from six or whatever. Um, two 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 honesty shouts, and this I don't want people who are listening to think I'm being overly critical. Um, but two things I think that severely affected us on Tuesday night that I, I'm not a massive fan of seeing. One is Brennan Johnson in midfield. Uh, I think that Johnson and Rogers are both players who have got the ability to conjure up a moment of magic, and the penalty proved that. It was, you know, one's clever run, the other's clever ball. And when it doesn't come off, they take criticism because flair players always do. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing those two in the team, have them on opposite flanks. Um, when you put Brennan in the midfield, if things aren't going his way, I think it really leaves our midfield looking quite lopsided. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying he's a, um, a petulant player or a lazy player or anything like that. Absolutely not. But I think in midfield, if you're having an off game and Johnson, he's you know, not massively inconsistent, but he's been relatively inconsistent um, at times. I think that's that can seriously affect us. And I think in order for Lincoln City to function in the correct manner, you do need a very regimented and stable central midfield area. So for me, I would like to see a return to Jones, McGrandles and Grant in the holding role until Liam Bridcut's fit or until Max Sanders is deemed able to fill in. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, there's, there's two other things to be fair. I'm not a huge fan um, of Anthony Scully in certain games. And he feels to me like a, li- a little bit like a Harry Anderson figure, you know, where Harry used to struggle against one formation. It wasn't a particular team or anything like that. He used to struggle against a 3-5-2 because he had to track a full back as well um, mm-hmm. a couple of seasons ago. And there's just certain games where, for me, Anthony Scully just doesn't work. And I think it tends to be the games where um, rather than a, a, an opposition keeping their defence quite compact, 
um, because if they do that, if they you know if they're quite narrow and try and force us out wide, that works brilliantly because we can do the big switch. Okay, it was crap the other night, but let's not forget when you've got you know, windy weather, it's hard to ping a sixty-yard ball over the top. But in decent conditions, you know, if the, if if you're playing a team that are in, for instance, three at the back um, with five across midfield, that sixty-five or sixty-yard ping's not going to work uh, because the fullback. If he hasn't tracked Scully, there's enough width with three centre halves for the, let's say, the left centre half to come out and then block off the space for Scully. So for me, it's better then to have a Johnson or a Rogers who have got a little bit more guile, a little bit more pace, and they can look to try and expose that left centre back, which is when the attacking midfield players can then run into the channel and you start to pull it apart a little bit. Um, I think it's time to give Mr Scully... Uh, rest on the bench but it depends on who else is fit and the final thing for me that turned the game a little and it can't you can't say it turned the game completely because we still only drew um, was Teo Edom coming on and I mm-hmm. think no disrespect to the new players but we've seen with Michael Appleton that players who he signed in January last year came good at the beginning of this season six months in I'm talking Teo Edom I'm talking Anthony Scully I'm talking Tom Hopper players who understood the patterns understood uh, the method and I think he's trying to integrate Cohen Bramall and um, Regan Paul in order to cover for what is a threadbare squad but I think certainly in Bramall's case you see that they're not quite there with the patterns of play Paul not so much I think Paul's a little bit different I'm not going to kind of put them together um, because I think if you were to play Eden and Paul we would look more solid than if you were to play Ioma and Bramall and again I'm not criticizing Bramall but at the minute, he looks like early Harry Toffolo to me, which was get forward, get into good positions, likely to be a goal scoring threat, half decent delivery, but occasionally looking a little bit exposed, backpedalling. So um, you know, I just hope that we keep Teo Eden fit. And I certainly hope to see him start on Saturday against uh, against the Plymouth side that, that do operate 3 5 2. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was going to say actually the, the the moment when when Teo came on. Immediately you could see it was kind of almost like the the, the players thought right, okay, we and we're back. You know, we're, we're back in this moment where we can we know the passages of play, we know what Teo's capable of, we know what he can do. Um, and yeah, great shout. I think he was not probably not the, the the full catalyst that was needed to try and win the game but um he definitely changed things in in the you know positive way um when he came on so um yeah i don't really think there's too much else to talk about from the swindon game um other than you know rogers strike when he uh, when he hit it i thought it was a you know really impressive strike from from distance i think the keeper was you know, the keeper should have really done a lot, lot better than he did. Um, I think he probably saw, you know, caught it late or, you know, saw it late and uh, got caught off guard by it. But um, yeah, really good, uh, really good strike from Morgan to, to pull us level. Um, and it was just so unfortunate that we couldn't really go on and get the winner, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, but there we go. You move on. These things happen. If, if the worst thing that happens is a point against the Swindon side who, let's not forget, went and won at Crewe um, uh, on the Saturday before. And this is a Crewe side who've got the third best home record in the division. So, you know, it's easy to judge games by looking at a league table and going, they're there, you're there, we should win this. Mm-hmm. Um, we judge games on what we see. Yes, we should have won it without a doubt. Uh, but at the same time, 
people say those two points could cost us at the end of the season. Yes, they could. At the same time, that one point could be crucial. So it's hard to judge. We didn't get beat. We're still unbeaten in however many games now. Um, I find it bizarre that we've drawn five fixtures in February when from August to January, we only drew five fixtures. But, um, you know, we're not losing. I just think we a couple more morale boosting wins would be great. But, you know, we went to Wigan and won. We drew with Swindon, so that's four points from two games. That's two points a game. Keep getting two points a game through to the end of the season and we'll be a championship team next year. I absolutely 100% believe that. So, you know, we go to um, Fleetwood a week on Tuesday, or no, not even a week on Tuesday. We go to Fleetwood. Fleetwood on comes Tuesday. to us rather on Tuesday. Um, and before that, we've got a trip to Portsmouth to mm. look for Plymouth. To whatever. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> it's been a long day, mate. I was gonna say it's been, it's, been, it's been a long, it's been a while, uh, yeah. been a long week, so yeah, yeah. yeah um, got look, you take the piss out of me when I let one slip, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Do you know what? I'm gonna go off on that a little bit today. I have written thus far about um, how to code, uh, sorry, I've got that was me. Um, <laughs> pinging in the background it's Pete yeah, he's desperate to get on the show isn't he um, let me just close that down so um, to this morning I've written about how to code a blackjack game in JavaScript bear in mind um, I have no idea uh, <laughs> but I've written it anyway <laughs> I've written about custom UTVs uh, which is a utility terrain vehicle I can't even remember what else I've written about. Oh, yeah, how playing card games um, can help you audition to be in an orchestra. Um, and okay. something else, something else. So if I'm getting my Plymouth and my Portsmouth mixed up, mixed up I'm going to say forgive me, but do you know what? I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, just yeah, as long as you're honest with it, mate, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, obviously we're going away to Plymouth on uh, on Saturday. Um, ah, the lovely sigh that you give where you're trying to give the impression that you don't know uh, quite what to expect but rather than that you, you've just got no clue yeah well it's god damn it you're quick on the fucking uptake aren't you um, <laughs> I can hear the, the click of the mouse in the background <laughs> as well I, I'm just surprised I can't hear the keyboard I could almost hear the keyboard going s-o-c-c-e-r-base.com <laughs> No, how, just, how have it, they been doing? How have they been doing? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they have had. They've had what? One, two, low, low, low. Three, three draws, one win, two wins, one defeat in the last uh, in the last six. So, yeah. Against uh, Peterborough, I think they were unbeaten in the league since the 29th of December. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost two on Sheffield United in the FA Cup. They had an awful run actually, with where, where they went. Um, I think it was eight games and they only won once <coughs> against us in the FA Cup, uh, where they didn't pick up a single um, a single point. They picked up sorry one single point against Portsmouth. How ironic! Um, but they're in good form. Look, we've just I've just spoken about their home form, which is very good um, up there in terms of uh, in, you know the best in the division, but. 
bear in mind that when we talk about home form, you've got Crew and Plymouth who are on 28 points from home in third and fourth. And then you've got us in ninth and Oxford in 10th who are on 23 and 24, both who have played fewer games than Plymouth. So it's, it, home form is very tight. And I think in terms of home advantage and away advantage, I think COVID almost makes it a level playing field. Almost. You know, there's clearly still something in it to a degree. But form is probably more dictated by who you have played rather than how you have played. You know, as we've said, Peterborough are top of the form table, 14 games played, 35 points. They're absolutely superb home form. But they haven't played any of the current top six at home as yet. And so that, that home form is going to look good. Um, what I would say about Plymouth is they are one of the few teams in this division that do play 3-5-2. Um, the other uh, two teams I can think who played 3-5-2 in recent times, Bristol Rovers played it, I think, when we lost 2-1 to them earlier in the season. But to be fair, I think that was before we'd got settled fullbacks. Uh, and if you are on soccer base at all, you could probably correct me on that because I don't think that Bristol Rovers was Eden and um, Aoma. But I may well be wrong. Um, other teams that have played three at the back or variants of um, include uh, Accrington played 3-5-2 in the Checker Trade Trophy. Obviously, we won 4-0. Um, Shrewsbury played, they play like a 3-4-1-2, which is you know, almost like a 3-4-3. But it's still three at the back with um, full backs who are up and down the pitch. They played it when we lost at home, but they also played it when we um, when we went and, and thrashed them there. It's a I'm not sure you'll see as much of the big switch, but it is where you might get pacey players in behind because what 3-5-2 means is um, that those two wide players of the wide of the five have got responsibility for attacking and defending. So they're, they're up and down, up and down the line. So if they're attacking, you can hit them on a counter-attack, in my opinion. So it's a Morgan Rogers and a Brennan Johnson game because it's pace and it's in behind. At the same time, you can nullify that attack if you can keep those wide players tied up because if they have to be thinking about where they're backtracking to all the time, it then means that in order to get some width in their game, they either have to come out wide or they have to be really creative in the middle. Sadly, Plymouth have got some really creative players in the middle. Danny Mayer um, is a player who you know I talk about every single time when we've played Berry, when we've played Plymouth. Um, I think he missed the FA Cup game, but he was very good at our place and we were very lucky to beat them in, uh, on, on that evening 2-0. Um, they've got Luke Jeffcott, who is the, the striker of the moment. Um, he's been scoring goals for fun. I seem to think he's an academy graduate, but again, um, I, uh, I may be mistaken there. That might just be really bad knowledge, uh, as the Bristol Rovers one is, because we did start with Eden and uh, Ioma. Um, so there you go. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, it's the third game of a block of four where I said if we get kind of eight, nine points from them, we will be in a great position. So it's a game... I personally think we can go and get a draw in. Um, I'm not massively confident we can win it, but four teams have beaten Plymouth at home. Rochdale put four past them. So, you know, they're not completely invincible, but they are on a good run, on a, um, a strong run of form. And it just depends if we go there or if our players go there, knowing that they have a point to prove. Well, I think after, you know, after Friday, uh, after Friday, after Tuesday night, I think they they probably should know that they've got a point to prove. Um, 
and I think with you know with that uh, with that mindset, I think hopefully they can they can turn it around. Um, yeah, I I mean I, I you know all all joking aside, I genuinely haven't paid that much attention to Plymouth this season, um, and it's you know it's a game that I, I honestly don't know what to expect from, um, and I just wonder whether. Um, I just wonder whether we can, you know, be one of the next, well, one of the teams that's going to be able to break them down at home and, um, and get a win. But well, uh, it might be, they might be stinging from that Peter of a defeat. Um, that certainly not uh, wasn't a, a, a defeat. It wasn't a game that I could uh, could have um, predicted. Absolutely not. I didn't see them going there. Peter were going there and winning three 0 They're looking in really good form. So it depends how they react from that because they've been on a really good run, obviously. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It's, it's, it'll be. I'm hoping that it'll be a game where we remain in it uh, until yeah. late, you know, early doors. Because I, I think when we concede early, Accrington and um, obviously um, Swindon, it changes our pattern a little bit. I think mm. we look a little bit horrid and we try and force the issue. I mean, there was a couple of those long crossfield balls from Monsma that sailed out of play. And, and when you make a couple of mistakes, and Michael talked about that traffic lights, if you make a mistake, you're on red, you're on amber, not red, and you make your next pass simple. We didn't do that. There was no evidence of that at all on Saturday, mm. which was a real shame. So um, I'm hoping to see evidence of, uh, of, of an improvement, almost certainly, mm. uh, this week. So we shall see. I mean, you know, we keep talking about Plymouth, but let's face it, they're 15 points behind us in the division. I mean, play the game more. Mm. So whilst it looks on paper tough and whilst they've got some really good players, they're, they're almost, I'm not going to say they've got nothing to play for, but because you know, there's what, seven points outside the playoffs, but it's a lot to make up um, mm. even over the next 16 games. I, I, I fancy them to be tucked in the middle of the table. They're one of those awkward teams and there's, there's Crew, there's Plymouth, there's um, NK Dons, Blackpool, Shrewsbury. They're those awkward teams that, on their day, they're every bit as good as teams in the top six. Mm. Just not consistent enough. My hope is that having been relatively consistent in terms of not getting beat over the past few weeks, we can go there um, and, and take advantage of that and, and make their inconsistency um, come home to roost. It'd be nice. Well, you know, hopefully we can... Uh... We can get on board. Um, I should probably state uh, before we before we move on, uh, we are recording this on Thursday evening before the uh, before the AGM and the fans forum is taking place. So um, anything outside of certain things that we're about to talk about that, that come out of it, um, you know, we, we won't obviously be able to to pose our take on uh, why the question about corners hasn't come up again. Or, you know, at least I'm fairly certain there's not going to be any co- uh, comments about toilets this time around, in which to uh, I imagine Liam's probably going to be quite pleased about that. Um, so, um, yeah, well, shall we? Could, sh- uh, I could ask him a question about my DPD delivery and uh, toilets. But... <laughs> I, I think, honestly, they've got some sort of like alert system in their trucks. Because every time I go to the loo, the doorbell goes with the parcel. It's like you know they've just got a, a light in the in the uh, in the cab that says Code Brown. You know Code Brown, go 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 go. I'll be honest, if he didn't have one in the truck, he should have had one by the time he got to, to the back door because it's more or less directly <laughs> under the bathroom window. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just awful. Uh, just before we go into that, I was talking about the running, wasn't I? 
Yes. Um, and there's, there's a great uh, website that tells you how your running compares to the games you've played. So it works out points per game of played opponents. So it takes all of the opponents into account, works out their points per game on um, home and away as well, uh, and then tells you whether you're going to be better or worse off than teams you've played. So have you got an easier run in over the teams that you've just recently played? The team with the absolute worst run in in our division, uh, in that there is a 0.25 difference in their, the teams that played points per game and their remaining opponents is Peterborough. And that okay. is the only team that even come anywhere close to that is Sunderland. So Sunderland and Peterborough have got challenging run-ins. The only team in the top nine who have played teams who have earned more points per game than they have to face, and if you're still following me, well done, uh, is us. Um, over the, the next four opponents, we have, of the top four, the most favourable next four opponents, because collectively, the average points per game of our next four opponents is 1.30, uh, whereas Peterborough play teams with 1.35, Hull 1.39, and Portsmouth, who have got a tough tough few games 1.56 and there are there is no who so we're the we've got a positive the only other teams in the division who have got a run-in that is easier than the games they've already played according to this kind of statistic are Ipswich MK Dons uh, Milton Keynes uh, MK Dons so I won't say that again Blackpool (laughs) Shrewsbury Fleetwood uh, interestingly Swindon Wimbledon and Burton Albion Um, so lots of teams at the bottom have got favourable run-ins. Lots of teams in the top. I mean, there's only two in the top half who have got like so-called favourable run-ins. I know yeah. it means very little, but yeah, well, I mean, you know, so, like I say, it's it's interesting to see that in a in that sort of context. I mean, a quick one just away from away from Lincoln. I'm I'm genuinely quite impressed at the uh, the fight the fight that Burton seems to be putting up at the moment. Obviously, they've just signed Danny Rowe. Um, we know what he's capable of, and I think, I think, did he score the winner on Saturday? Don't um, know. I think he, he scored anyway. But yeah, I, I'm impressed. It seems like they're going to make a real go of it, and uh, I think they'll stay up. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely do as well. Like they, they seem to have turned a corner, and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how well they're doing at the minute. So yeah. well, they've, they've obviously, I mean, it, not just him. Obviously, they've signed Michael Mancien. Um, mm-hmm. And they picked up a couple of other players. I think the previous manager, Jake Buxton, might feel a little bit hard done by because it's nearly a, a different, a completely different eleven that they're playing now to the one that they have been playing. But when you look at the games they've won, at, you know, Gillingham, Hull, Northampton, Charlton, they're not particularly easy games there. And they've got a run now of Rochdale and Bristol Rovers, AFC Wimbledon coming up in their next few games could realistically, if they were to get six or seven points, I mean, they're, they're bottom now on 25. Mm. You know, Rochdale are 18th on 28. And you think that really the relegation battle, I know we're going off on a bit at a minute, is Rochdale, Swindon, Wimbledon, Bristol Rovers, Wigan, Northampton, Burton. Now, on the evidence I've seen, I think Burton have got enough to stay up. Mm. I think Northampton could cause a few problems, um, but I think they'll go down. I think Wigan can stay up. I think Bristol Rovers are really? in the dire. Yeah, I think Wigan can stay up. I, I was impressed with Wigan. Um, mm. And I think then, I actually think Rochdale are in it as well. I, 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 I tip them every year, but eventually Rochdale are going to go. And I just, I think personally, we're looking at Rochdale, Bristol Rovers, Northampton, and potentially 
Wimbledon or Swindon. Uh, I'm, I think Wigan and Burton Albion stay up. Big shout. Big shout. Um, I think Wigan can do it. Uh, sorry, no, I think Burton can do it. I'm not sure about Wigan. I'll get those two the right way around. Don't know um, where you've got Danny Rose goal from either. He scored. Pulled it, it out of thin air. Got Ben Watson own goal. Come I on can swear him. I saw that he'd scored. Mike Fondop Tallum, who I think was a non-league player that they signed, scored against Charlton. And then a, a Ben Watson own goal. Um, funny, Roe replaced placed Kieran Wallace. On Saturday, they lost 3-0 to Burton, the Saturday, uh, 3-0 to Sunderland. The Saturday before, they won 2-0 against Northampton, but Bozzie and Ryan Edwards scored, and Rowe only came down quite late. So. Hmm. BC, they've got, I mean, two players there that stand out, by the way. Sean Clare, who was at Sheffield Wednesday and went up to Hearts. He's been loaned to them by Oxford, really good player. Um, don't know why he didn't really make it at Oxford. And Ryan Broom, player I would love to, to sign. He's on loan from Peterborough. Uh, another another player who I think he's a Rolls Royce for a player. I think he could fit into our setup with relative ease. He's almost like a James Jones figure, in my opinion. He's 24. He was wonderful for Cheltenham. He'd previously been with Bristol Rovers and gone out on loan to Bath and Eastley, I think it was. Um, really struggled at Peterborough. Five starts, 10 from the bench, one goal. Looked ineffective, but... He's a player who I really like. I think he'll go the same way as Alex Woodyard did um, at Peterborough, Brian Broom. And he's gone into he's gone into um, Peterborough. He's, he's kind of been cast aside a little bit. He's now on loan at Burton, like Woody went on loan to Tranmere. I think there's a great player in there. I really do. But this, he's the sort of player that he's going to want away from Peterborough, and then Barry Fry's going to come out and say, you know, oh, he's worth quarter of a million, or he's worth half a million. It's all, it's all bluster and bullshit with them in it <laughs> oh man well yeah I, i'll hold my hands up to that i genuinely thought that uh that it scored on them um... potentially you've seen that come through on like a sky sports news or something because it's a ben watson own goal possibly um, so yeah i tell you what do you want me while we're on air ben i'm going to do you a favor and yes ladies and gentlemen you will hear a clip clock because if i uh go on y scout and go burton albion i can actually have a look uh at their goal and i'll see if danny rowe was involved in it at all and if he's and not in the, mean, then... in the meantime oh, you can if, if you want to you can kind of set up the uh the next bit of discussion <laughs> Well, okay, so yeah, um, the fans forum is tonight. Uh, there are a couple of bits of uh, news coming out of that, which are uh, incredibly positive for for us um, as Lincoln City fans. Um, I believe it's being announced sort of in a couple of hours from when we're recording, but two big bits of contract news, which are very exciting. Um, so I will leave it to uh, to Mr. Hutchinson to uh, to announce who is signed new deals okay first of all danny rose effort was deflected off ben watson so it would have looked like rose at first right um now this isn't breaking news as you listen to it but for me and ben this is breaking news of a huge magnitude uh because at 801 this evening yesterday evening as you're listening to it so it's old news uh michael appleton uh is signing a new deal with the club uh, now, I know how long it is, but I will just check the press release that's literally come through on my phone right now. He's signed a new four-year deal at the LNER, LNER Stadium, or Sinsel Bank, as it should be known. 
um, which will keep him at the club until 2025. So that's the headline. Michael Appleton pens a new deal with Lincoln City. Um, and then underneath that, and to some degree, Anthony Scully has obviously penned a new deal with the club as well. Um, his new deal will run through until 2023. Uh, he did have one that was due to expire this summer, but I understand that we had a one-year option. No need to exercise that uh, because a, a pen and a bit of paper was exercised, a nice two-year additional um, spell at Lincoln and finally Remy Howarth a player who I rather hastily feared may have kicked his last ball for the club um, when he missed his penalty against Sunderland has actually not kicked his last ball for the club um, first of all because he played uh, that came on at the weekend so that made me look a mug just two days after the <laughs> podcast was out uh, he's now penned a one-year extension so Remy will be a Lincoln City player next season as well so three new deals uh, to cap off what's been, you know, when we say it's been a bad week, we've got four points from two games, which is the average that you want to go up. Um, but he's, you know, there's been some negativity flying about this week. Uh, and I think that is anything but negative. Absolutely. I mean, it was, um, I think we were, you know, we, we were sort of aware that the, the Michael Appleton news was happening, but obviously the press release has come through while we've been recording. So that is, fantastic to hear um you know obviously come and stay at the club till 2025 or at least the contract you know contracted through to then um certainly you know reaffirms the commitment to the club which is um it's just fantastic <laughs> I, i'm really pleased to, to hear that news um and obviously you know the, the news about scully and, and howarth as well um i think howarth is one of those players that that's probably a little bit of a rough diamond um i think he's you know michael is is the kind of uh manager the kind of coach who will be able to bring out the best in remy Howarth. i think going forward um i think at the moment it's obviously a um you know it's obviously a, a difficult uh step up for him to make but obviously you know the, michael sees something in him that's going to keep him at the club so you know, great, great for him and great for the club as well for him to to get a new deal. Um, and obviously Anthony Scully, um, I think he has been possibly, you know, probably second in line for player of the season so far. Um, he's been a huge impact, uh, particularly in the last couple of months. He's, you know, he's definitely come good. And I think it's sort of gone under the radar a little bit for a while, but then all of a sudden he's sort of burst onto it all and gone, yep. Okay. Right. I'm getting goals now. I'm getting the assists. And he's, he's channeled the energy into a, that kind of a, um, more focused, uh, more focused role on the pitch. I think when we, when we spoke about him, when he joined, um, he, we spoke about how his, you know, sort of youthful exuberance, I think was the phrase that we used. And, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously, got a lot of energy to burn and he, he sort of seemed to be a little bit like um you know like a almost like a kid playing football um at school you know where you, you just you follow the everyone follows the ball and there's just 22 kids just running around after the ball um and it seemed a little bit like he was um possibly like that at stages but um yeah delighted to to hear the news of all three of them really um signing the contracts and particularly the fact that my cousin is a you know another couple of years on top of what we already had um if not uh, another 18 months i think that'd be wouldn't it no another two and a half years onto what he already had um so yeah really really pleased about all of that um i mean yeah anything to add on that one I'm not sure. Uh, I lost track a little bit there while you were talking. I'm not sure which player you just described as running around following the ball like he was at primary school, but I'm not sure he'll be too happy when you do. 
no, not in a you know. Was it Remy or was it Anthony? I'll be honest, I drifted off. Of course you did. Um, it was you know Anthony when he when he started, he kind of had that energy where he was just running about and um, you know it, it seemed like a early Harry Anderson where he had one goal and that was just get your head down and run. Um, and I think Anthony Scully seemed like he was kind of just itching to play football and was desperate to prove himself. But I think he's focused himself a lot more now. Interesting points. I, I think at times there's still that same naivety to his game, not um, in in the single mindedness. I mean, I, I like some of that, but I think some of his decision making uh, is, is there to be developed. But I clearly think there's a player there who can go on and play at a high level. Uh, you, know, you don't score 12 goals at league in League One or, or you know, associated cups um, by accident. Not at all. Uh, I think sometimes he goes missing. In, when I say goes missing, not for want of trying, but you know, on Tuesday night, yeah, nothing he did came off. With the greatest respect to him, nothing he did came off. Mm. And there was a, 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 a week when we were chatting on here about him playing on the left, and I pulled some stats up about how many crosses we'd put in from the left, and it was not. Um, I I like him centrally. I like his instinct of for arriving at the back post. Um, if he has to play on the flank in, in our kind of 4-3-3, I prefer him on the right. I do think there's certain games for him. But he's a, you know, contrary to what you may have gleaned from the last 10 or 15 morose seconds for me, I really like Anthony Scully. He was a player in 4-4-2 that I called as the one to watch this season. I still think he's one to watch very closely. I'd love to see him in a more central role in a 10, for in like a 4-2-3-1, for instance. But we don't play that. Um, but there's a lot of scope for him to develop. I think with Remy, um, great character to have around. I think he works really, really hard. I think he's found it tough going at some times. Well, again, once or twice, that decision-making just needs to improve. But that's the point. Michael Appleton improves players. We've seen it with George Grant. I think we've seen it to a degree with Theo Eden. I'm not saying Theo Eden's a better player than he was when he was at Fulham or England, uh, England youth, but he's a better player than he was when he first pulled the Lincoln City shirt on and on the evidence we've seen. So whether that's settling or whether that's work again, I don't know. So I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that Lincoln players get better under Michael Appleton. And that leads us nicely to Michael's new deal. I remember where I was the day that Danny and Nicky were first uh, had a new deal that was announced. I was driving to Grimsby on my way to work and it was released in the morning on the, the radio and I was <clears throat> walking on air for the rest of the day uh, and news that Michael has got a new deal uh, makes me feel very much the same. Um, I think he was due to finish in the summer of 2023, was he not? Mm. Uh, I, think I think he signed a three and a half. So it would be two more seasons after this. And I think he wanted to be in the championship, he told us. So it looks to me like an additional two years mm. um, from when he was due to finish. I may be wrong about that, uh, but I'm not usually unless it's Plymouth and Portsmouth I'm talking about. <laughs> I um, can tell that you drifted off because I've basically said the exact same thing. Did you really? I, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? In all honesty, I was actually reading the press release. I didn't drift off. That would seem really bad. Um, I heard you say two and a half years. That was why I've, I've corrected you with two. You were you were running an iron between 18 months and two and a half years extra, but it's not. It's uh, it's two years. So have I? I didn't drift off that much, did I? I was multitasking. Um, but yeah, it's massive for the club. The thing is, let's be brutally, brutally honest. 
four years, 10 years, 50 years. doesn't mean anything if a big club here come in and say, well, my club as our manager is five million quid. Doesn't matter. He'll, he would go. Um, I think the timing is really interesting. Really interesting. You know, so soon after the fake Bristol City news, which literally gripped my shit. I mean, I was furious on Saturday with so many different outlets. And I'm not just talking about, you know, idiots in their bedroom putting out tweets, talking about sites like the 72, which you know poured fuel on the flame flames almost. It's just you know, and they do that. That's what the media is. I get it. You know, the likes of um, Rob or Mark Wiley have got to ask these questions as well when it comes up. But I just hate all that speculation. It makes me feel so uncertain. And I think after Danny, when I was absolutely certain there was no way he would go to West Brom, uh, and he did, I always feel now when these rumours come up, I always feel uncertain. And I don't want that because at the minute this football club is on such a positive trajectory. And I know that you know, we talk about it's down to the players because they're great. And just George does a great job and Liam does a great job and the board are brilliant. And Clive should have a statue erected, not at the ground, but literally on the tallest uh, tower of the cathedral. They should then put a Clive statue on top of that, that in my opinion. But Michael Appleton is the manager of this football club. The players who we have signed, you know, Jez does some brilliant work, but a lot of them have come here because of Michael and Jez. When they're trained, they're trained by Michael and David Kerslake. And when Michael sets up, he just uh, he does the tactics. He does the, Do you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. manager puts you where you are. You, the club can be in a great shape. We could have Jez doing all this great work. We could have the great training ground, the board, the financial stability. But if you get a manager in who's just full of guff, it doesn't work. And you only need to look back at Peter Jackson. We had a decent club back then. The training ground was coming on. We had decent players. Okay, the John Schofield thing hadn't quite worked, but the investment had been there on players. But Peter Jackson, and I know you and I won't get into this, but he was not a good football manager. Uh, and the club did not succeed because of that. And if we had brought in another manager at that time, there's every chance that the club would have succeeded. Um, so you, know, you create. Michael said it himself uh, when I interviewed him back at the beginning of the year that he creates the environment. It's up to the players whether they do well or not. And the board, to a degree, and and then the backroom staff create the football club. It's up to the manager whether he's able to take that forward or not. You know, that's how pivotal he is. I say Liam Bridcourt's pivotal to everything we do on the pitch. Mike Lapton's pivotal to everything. Mm. So just to see him say, yep, I'll stay with your football club for another two years, an additional two years, absolutely phenomenal. Not saying that he will make 2025, but I'll tell you what, it won't be because he gets sacked. If Michael Appleton leaves this club before 2025, it will be because somebody takes a punt on him. And uh, funny, I was talking to... Um, Chris Travers today, who um, obviously his dad's kind of a, a key part of the club. And, and we were chatting about Michael Appleton and what the future could hold. And I've had chats with Peter that are around the same, Pete Summers around the same thing. That it would be very hard for a club at this moment in time, at the top end of the championship, to appoint Michael Appleton. So let's say, and I don't know who's top of the championship, but let's say Norwich's manager suddenly gets poached into the Premier League. It would be very hard for Norwich to go, we'll take Michael Appleton from Lincoln City. Because of his record with Blackburn and his record with, um, why is it escaping me? Portsmouth. There we go. Thank you. I've just. There we go. One minute I'm all about Portsmouth. The next minute, <laughs> can't grab them. 
because of his record with them, it's very, very dangerous for a team at the top of the championship to take it because they look at things at face value, not deeper. So they people would go, well, people have gambled on Michael before. So the teams that are likely to take Michael are the ones that are at the lower end of the championship who have sacked a manager and think will turn to this manager. And you look at Paul Hurst when he went to Ipswich. You look at Danny when he went to Huddersfield. You look at Nathan Jones when he went to Stoke. They're the clubs that take a punt on League One managers. Okay. Michael is a manager who has been there, made the mistakes. You and I chatted to him. He knows exactly where he's not where his career went wrong, but the mistakes he made early on in his managerial career. He took time out of management to ascertain who we where he wanted to be. He picked the club, not the level. He picked the club. So I think we've got a manager now who will never come out and make bold statements about we're going nowhere, all that sort of stuff. You know, he's, he's a very different manager to the. To, to the management that we've had before um but i think there's almost more of a trust now as well and i know it goes completely against what i personally said but just because i worry about it yeah I, I i don't know i just don't think michael would risk going to a championship club or in the bottom half of the table if they came knocking because if he did and it didn't work out that's the end that's think- the end of management at that level yeah I, I think that's the thing is you know he's obviously said he said to us before that um, you know, he he picked the club. He will pick the board. He will he will do the due diligence, and you know he will make sure that he's chosen the the right club for him. Um, and that all starts with, you know, making sure that he knows what's going on at board level. You know, make, making sure that he knows what's happening with the chairman. You know, where the club's going. If they've got a plan for this, or is it? A, you know, will it be a knee jerk reaction to say? shit we've just fired a manager what are we going to do okay right well let's let's find who's top of league one or you know up in, in the upper echelons of league one who can we get you know he's he's he is you're right when you say you know he's, he's obviously different to dan and nick when you know when they were here um i think the thing is that michael's had that hard moment where he's failed at a, well you know for want of a better word failed at other clubs um but they were different, you know. Obviously, the, the the situation at Portsmouth, I think, was when they went in, with the with the administration twice when he was there. Something like that, yeah. Something. Yeah. So you know, it, it, there have been extenuating circumstances in at least one of the jobs that he's had before, um, and I think Blackpool was during their um, their you know cluster I mean, through cake of a situation as well. But Owen Oyston and uh, Blackburn was during Venkis. All yeah. three of them were just basket cases. He didn't get a fair run at, at any of the, those three jobs. The first, yeah. the first job he got a decent run at was Oxford United, and you know they went from being bottom of league or bottom half of league two to being an established league one side. Yeah. So, yeah, like you say, just delighted that he's he's you know committed his future to the club, and I think you are right, and in, in in what you say, in that if he goes, it won't be. You know, it, it won't be the club's decision. It will be his decision. It, he, he will go on his own terms, whether that's, you know, somebody coming in and picking him up for a Premier League job or, you know, whether he reaches the end of his contract and says, right, that's it. Enough for me. You know, I think he's he, he's earned that. He's earned that already in, in just one season, really. Because um, let's not forget this time, well, this time last year, maybe a little bit before, um, definitely when we spoke to him, there was a, a few grumblings. Um around certain fans and you know around whether we'd made the right appointment and i think he was having the time and having the the uh the, the, the ability to put his stamp on the team and to put his stamp on the club um 
I think, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just so happy that he's signed a new deal. I remember <clears throat> quite clearly, um, like not the game, but there was there was a result where uh, somebody tweeted, "If we don't get a result in the next game, is it time for Michael to go?" And this was probably November time because he came in obviously for the Oxford just after the Oxford game, and I think we won one league game. Um, through to the 7th of December and then we went away at Bur- beat Burton, beat Tranmere, we beat Ipswich and Peterborough over Christmas. There was four wins there. Uh, and we lost one nil at Coventry who are now a championship side, uh, one nil at Oxford who ended up in the playoffs. So we, we were there or thereabouts. Then when he made the changes in January, you know, I think the Blackpool game stuck out for me. Mm. And we beat Bolton 5-1, we beat Blackpool 1-0, we drawn with Shrewsbury. We were in a decent run even then. And then we just went on this horrible run, lost to Ipswich, Portsmouth, Southend, Rotherham, drew with MK Dons, lost to Accrington, drew with Gillingham. And you felt, we could go down here. Um, and the draw against Gillingham was the 22nd of February. Uh, so that was a year ago. And at that point, there was still a worry that we might go down. There was still people who were thinking and criticising. We beat Burt. We had a week off. So on the correspond, how ironic on the corresponding weekend last year, we didn't play. Uh, and this weekend we play more games in a week than some FIFA players play. Um, <laughs> and then we beat Burton. And obviously that was the last home game that we were all at. So um, certainly the, the turnaround has been phenomenal. And, I don't want to just be a podcast that blows smoke up managers' arses, but for the entire time that we've been recording, we've been a podcast that has had managers that have just done well. Yeah, we haven't we haven't had a bad manager. We haven't had any reason to call anybody out. And I think when something hasn't gone well, like the first part of this podcast, we're happy to talk about where things haven't gone well and where we haven't played well. And if if people perceive that as us being negative, um balls to you basically because when you know, no honestly because we're not yeah. are we do you know what I, I try and be pragmatic and write him i mean i this is a personal thing now but writing my match report on tuesday night was really hard because i was a fan and i was hacked off and i thought certain players had played badly and i just wanted to rip into them but i won't do that mm. i won't rip into players because i'm more considered and i think you know you need to be but at the same time you can't live in this state where you praise everything you know back in the 82 83 season when we were top of the table and the board weren't putting money in for the players the fans didn't sit around and go oh yeah well we're top of the third division now aren't we so yeah we'll, we'll give the board an easy time they've, they've put us here they didn't they, if it wasn't right they spoke out and i think everything's right in terms of the way our clubs run so we're not going to speak out about that but you know if we have a game we don't play well you don't play well you've got to be able to say that yeah, if I do five articles a day and and one of them is crap, my boss will just come to me and say, you know, this this wasn't great, and and that's it. And then you move on. That's that's what we're here for. If we just sat here and went Lincoln City are brilliant, may as well you know, listen to Cornell's podcast because he's all. Yeah, and that's not a dig at Cornell, but Cornell's massively yeah. positive. If that's what you want, yeah. Cornell does a great podcast. Who you know, Batman Ting, fantastic. He does. So yeah, and I, I think I think that was you know going back to I think maybe the first episode when you know we said we want to be a critical friend to the club. You know, it's not we want to be. Yes, we will potentially you know lean on the side of of being optimistic, but when things need calling out and when things need you know shaking up or you know if we need to vent about something, we will do. But I genuinely can't think of something where we've had to really sit there and, and have a massive moan about things. I think really the only decision 
off the field, maybe. I think the only real decision that, that hacked me off as a fan, and certainly I know hacked off quite a few, was the season tickets issue a couple of seasons ago, you know, when they put the early renewals up. And that was, that was you know, well, you know, taken on the chin by the club and they, they fed back positively about it. And I think everything else, we've got, you know, we've got the dialogue that we can have with the club. You know, I think... I'm sure Liam wouldn't mind, you know, saying this, but, you know, I've got Liam's number, you've got Liam's number, we can, you know, we'll message him if we need to about something. And I never you know, do. No, you know, we, we never would. I did once inadvertently message him how many steps I'd done in a day. <laughs> I'm sure he was delighted. He, he'd been with the club about four or five weeks and we'd had just this, like, brief hello and we followed, hello, we followed each other on Twitter. <laughs> And um, I got a message from him saying, uh, that's very impressive. Uh, I or, or something like, I've done so many, so many. That's really impressive. And I was looking at it thinking, why the hell's Liam messaging me that? So I replied to him and said, oh, the fewest I've ever done in a day is this. And he's like, yeah, the fewest I've ever done in a day is this. Oh, great. And then when I look back, somehow there must have been a functionality on my phone to <laughs> tweet the number of steps I'd done. And my phone had gone in my pocket. And I literally tweeted, I've done like 4,600 steps today on uh, whatever. And just tweeted it to Liam Scully. I'd never even met him face to face at that point. So, and he must have just got that with me saying I've done that many. He must have thought, who the hell is this? Oh, he's going to be a right pain. Yeah, me oh, sending pictures cool. of my dinner. What do you think of this, Liam? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But, um, so, right, obviously, positive news all around um, off the field at the minute. Is there anything else that we need to talk about before we disappear? No, I think we've, with time wise, we're probably stretching it a bit, aren't we? Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, just about an hour. Mm. Retro shirts are nice. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. That was one thing we wanted to talk about. Um, but yeah, you, you've got hold of them. I don't yet, but I have a sneaking suspicion that I might have them in about three weeks' time. Um, yeah, I, I like the look of them. I'm delighted that they've gone with that blue '96, '97 shirt because that was uh, that was the away shirt, the first shirt that I ever owned. Um, I never actually owned the away shirt. I own the home shirt, but can't wait to get my hands on it. So I've got the originals of both. The home shirt was the first adult size home shirt I had. I say adult size. I mean, I was at what? 14 15 but I could just about squeeze into it now i won't because it would rip it um but we could just about so nice my shirt. um my my uh 96 97 home shirt has been uh on or sort of uh it's been bestowed upon a massive stuffed tigger um for a few years <laughs> that rach brought up with her from gloucester Do you um, what? only recently we took it off do you know what? I, my very first home shirt, which was the uh, 87, it was actually the 86, 87 uh, home shirt or the 87, 88. I can't remember. It might have been 87. Yeah, November 87. I think I got it. Um, and it's on a teddy. It's on a stuffed teddy that I've had for years and years. I mean, this shirt is tiny. I'm, I, I was a little slip of a lad. It's unbelievable now. But genuinely, I've eaten bigger meals than I used to weigh <laughs> when I was eight years old um so i've still got that and it's falling apart like it came apart under the arm i wore it all the time and mom and dad i remember bought me the full kit at november and i remember they even took a day off school to take me into it and i seem to think the club shop used to be in the um 
the old what I used to call the hunter's stand it was at the back there somewhere so it was after the St Andrew's stand had been knocked down so I don't know if it was temporary and I remember I made them let me get changed in the car uh, I still had my school shoes on and then I went into uh, I want to say Hillard's but it might have been closed by then so it might have been one on whatever was on Netland Fields you know as a full kit wanker um mm-hmm. At eight years old now which is a decision uh, even to this day looking back I regret uh, because I was also ginger and people just must have looked at me and gone why are you wearing a Lincoln City kit they're crap um, yeah well you're not laughing now bastards <laughs> I I remember being yeah one of about three people at school that wore Lincoln City shirts it was um, every non-uniform day it was like yep yeah, Lincoln shirt there we go there's about three of us it was uh See, I, I was tragic because I did the similar, but I was Lincoln shirts with padded lumberjack shirts over the top. Uh, <laughs> I loved I loved padded lumberjack shirts. And a picture recently surfaced on um, Facebook. There's a guy called John Edwards. He's kind of like rugby's unofficial photographer. Ever since the 60s and the 70s, he's he photographs everything, like every event, rugby show, there's the school special events, John Edwards is the man. And he's currently putting all of his photos like systematically from history um on this rugby memories page. And I I genuinely began to wonder if I lived in rugby because I'd never popped up on any of them. And one popped up the other day, me on a Tom Bowler store with rugby boys. I must have been it would have been summer of ninety three, so I would have been fourteen. Um, I just smashed my face up uh, in a bike accident, uh, push bike. I didn't ride my bikes. So I've got this black eye, a padded lumberjack shirt on. And, you know, it's a tiny black and white picture. But if I zoom in, I can tell you which football shirt I've got on. I've got the <laughs> Yugoslavia home shirt from 1992 on underneath it. Uh, and wow. If, and if I still had that shirt um, on eBay, they're fetching nearly 200 quid because obviously Yugoslavia have since been disbanded. Uh, mm. And it was like an Adidas shirt. Really, really nice shirt. Just gutted that I didn't keep it. Because uh, you used to go to five-a-side games. Um, and people like maybe Danny and Steve Nez listen to this, they'll know this. Because you used to play, if you played for like a Rugby Boys or a Cherry Colts or a GF Highcomb or something like that, there would be a, a summer five-a-side tournament. So there was always one down at GF. So there was always one uh, at Netlam as well. And then these stalls used to turn up and they'd sell football shirts. And some of these football shirts would be hooky. I've got a Luton Town shirt that's 100% hooky from one of these places. I remember buying that Yugoslavia shirt for like £3.50 or something. Pees me off. I had a West Ham away shirt as well, which was sponsored by BAC Windows, and that fetches 200 quid on eBay now. Wow. And I better give them both to charity. I'm far too giving. <laughs> you said that with such an air of spite. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind giving money, but football memorabilia why why would i ever give that away literally ben scott great friend of mine ben scott never met him but virtual friend of mine i maybe met him a couple of times and he sends me all his panini 2021 swaps and i just messaged him back and said i've gone through them thanks mate i'll send yours back to you uh, i messaged that while you were talking as well but i managed to listen at the same time um <laughs> and do you know what he's messaged me back and said oh i don't uh, i don't want my swaps back just bin them if you don't want them bin them they're football stickers i'll keep them until kingdom come <laughs> well there you go um i still need about 150 so if anyone else thinks about being in swaps don't send them to me there you go if i, if I find any i'll let you know but I, i'm not buying them so well you can yeah. find them in shops ben they're in packets in shops yeah i'm not buying you any no 
Well, just find them in the shop. Don't pay for them. I, mm, no. Maybe you could print some on your 3D printer. Could do. Yeah, I could do. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I've had a fucking nightmare this week. Yeah, you should have said on social media. Um, anyway, fees back. So I think we ought to wrap it up now because she might have brought me chips. I don't know why I continue to do this podcast, Gary. You hate me, clearly. It's, it's horrible. You're a horrible yeah, of man. Of course I don't. <laughs> is that an Indian she's got? Or is it toilet roll? I can't see. Um, <laughs> is that an Indian or toilet roll? I, if, it, if she's got one, I would like her to bring the other and nobody let DPD, <laughs> nobody let DPD know. Oh, amazing. Right. That's amazing. Do we wrap it up? Yes. All right, mate. I'll see you later. See you later. Up the ends. Up the ends. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.